Hi all, welcome to Let's Hookah. This is a podcast where I get together with comedians to smoke hookah and have a chat about everything from hookah stories to hookup stories. On the first episode, we have Sabine Sadiq. We talk about growing up Muslim, our comedy journeys, belly dancing, twerking, and weird celebrity crushes. You can watch the video on YouTube. Uh, for early access to episodes, please join my Patreon for even more content. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to leave a review, please, and follow us on Instagram. Thank you. Welcome, Sabine Sadiq. Hi. I love that you looked at your watch. You're like, she was late. This bitch was late, and that was very passive-aggressive of you. you I know. I was just looking at the time, but um, just just to make sure that we, we do this for an hour, you know. Yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah. I need an hour on my hookah. Yeah. So, so how are you? I'm doing great. Um, I had a question for you, actually, because you know I'm going to Turkey in like a week um, or in a few weeks. And you're saying it's like good about medical tourism. One of my friends was asking me if she should get LASIK done there. LASIK. She definitely should. Medical tourism in Turkey is amazing. And it's like trustworthy? Like it's not... For sure. Wow. I, I don't think you can't like... It's not like here where you can go and sue if, for someone for malpractice. You can't sue? No, you can't sue. No one does that. You're never going to... You're never going to win against a hospital in Turkey. Why? I don't know. It's not a thing that... Like you don't have the same kind of rights as you do, you know. So you have yeah. no rights going into it. You know, the price is so discounted. They're like, you, you can't oh, sue it? a hospital. That's not a thing. What? I've never heard anyone in Turkey sue a hospital. I wonder if like Americans that have gone over there have sued or tried to. If like something went wrong. But they don't have those laws in place to like protect you you know here you okay. do right so oh it's almost cause, like here you're like signing stuff and you're like you know you're liable for this and like if this doesn't go right the doctor is kind of liable yeah. right i think yeah there's way more liability here yeah i don't know it's like also the fact that it's so decentralized and um mm-hmm. also means that there's no one really looking out for you oh god yeah <laughs> I don't know if I want to get anything done in Turkey. <laughs> Actually, yeah, what are you gonna get done? Well, I'm just gonna get a crown on my tooth. Yeah, my you should. Well, that's the thing. That's an easy yeah. one. That's like you can't really mess that up. You can't really. Well, you can. You can get infections from those, but you can. Yeah. Oh, but like they're credible places in Turkey. Exactly. They're credible places, and they don't want to fuck up because okay. they live on medical tourism. They want right. to be good. They want to be have it. renowned. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know about the LASIK. I don't know anyone who's done that in Turkey. But there's a lot of, like, um, oh, it's so good. like dental stuff, bariatric stuff. I know a lot of people get, like, MRI scans in Turkey. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It's, a, would, good, it's a good This is flavor, great. right? This is, like, licorice? What is it? No, it's a watermelon chill, which is a weird flavor because what, what is chill? Hell yeah, look at you. Hold on, I'm going to make it all. That's, that's a lot. That's all. Let's go. You're 14 now. Show us 14-year-old Sabina. <laughs> there was an O. There was an O. There was an O. There was an O. I remember I, I tried having a hookah at my parents' house when I was, like, in high school. And I was, like, smoking with my friends. And this is the first time my dad had ever seen me do that. And oh, he, was like, he was like, I don't like that you're doing this. You're, your eyes are all over the place. And I was like, it's not me, <laughs> Dad. It's Shisha. It's hookah. It's so weird. He was, like, so upset about it. What was the first time you did hookah? High school. Yeah, what was the event? Tell me about the event. Well, I can't remember the first time, but I remember a lot of times it was at my friend Farah's house. Uh, we would smoke. Oh, no, no. We would smoke in her car because she couldn't have her hookah in the house because her mom would get mad. So she had like a, she had a car hookah. It was like a small. <laughs> oh, no wait. Yeah. You could smoke from those? Yeah. I thought they were just for aesthetic. No, she set it up and we like put the whole thing in the car and we would just like smoke like we park somewhere <laughs> and we would smoke it. <laughs> and then, um,. And then we would just go to hookah bars all the time. Like, that was the thing. Are there a lot of hookah bars in Chicago? So many. There's tons. But what's the main demographic, like, minority demographic that does hookah? It's brown people. It's usually, like, Middle Eastern, Desi, some white people, some black people, but, like, it's mostly brown. I was so surprised here to find out that so many uh, Hispanic communities have hookah as a part of their culture. It's like, how, was what? that confusing? I thought so, so too. So confusing. Well, I went. I saw a hookah bar in Bushwick, and it was like it was. It was everyone was black, and I was like, I didn't know they were that into it. Right. <laughs> like 
like, I thought, I, I swear, I was like, this is just a radical thing. Like, so that's what I would have thought too. But then you, you see this stereotype as well about Dominicans, for instance, with their hookahs. It's like, wait, that's a stereotype? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's that's how it was presented to me as that's at least. so funny. I, I, did, I did date a Dominican and we go to like Dominican places. Yeah. And... Everywhere we went, it was there was hookah. Mm. So I was just like, "This is kind of perfect. The music's great, the food is great, and there's hookah." Almost seems like I could be Dominican. I think you guys. Yeah. I think people probably think you are. People definitely think I am. <laughs> it was so funny that actually happened with so that guy I mentioned. We'd uh, go to we'd go to places, and we went to this one place where everyone was dominican but and he was black dominican so yeah. they didn't assume he was the hispanic so they kept speaking english to him and spanish to me and well, i kept looking so at him and being like, like what are they saying you're like they're they getting just, this all wrong yeah, right now like, they would not acknowledge him as dominican versus they thought i was they were like she's got it did you speak spanish i can't so what did you say when they're speaking to you i just looked at him and i was like what are they saying and I would respond to them in English, but they kept speaking Spanish to me. That's so funny. And they funny. would just not acknowledge him as Hispanic. It's so interesting. That's hilarious, man. I yeah. feel like we both look Latina. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, so, okay, so that was your first hookah experience. Chicago. Yeah. I, I don't know what and then mine people's was. basements, friends' basements. It was always like a like a brown person basement hang thing. Yeah. Yeah, what about yours? I think mine was, I don't think I really smoked hookah until my 20s. The weird thing, so I went on vacation. It would be occasional thing I would do with friends. There were places I had a lot of Palestinian friends growing up and a lot of uh, Lebanese friends. And in their culture, it's so normal so to do normal. that at home. And like your moms are into exactly. it. Moms, like my mom like, isn't into it. No, definitely. My parents never do that. This, yeah. Like they would smoke regular cigarettes, but hot, um, not hookah. So I'd go to their places and I would try it out. I would always get, it would always hit me a lot. Yeah. I get kind of like dizzy from it's it. It's hitting me now. It is? Okay, take a slow. Take what a slow. Is, yeah, I'm like, oh. Yeah, because yeah, you're doing like, you're, I mean, I'm getting you're, a lot of you're smoke You're proper in. pulling it. Yeah. I, someone told me, they were like, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to suck in all the smoke into your lungs. You're supposed to stop right here. Yeah, you that's what, that? yeah, <laughs> we had that conversation. <laughs> like, someone warned me and uh, I don't know how to stop it right here. Right. The, how do you it's, stop it? It's practice. You just don't take it into your lungs. I feel like lungs. it's in my whole body right now. <laughs> I just suck it all in. I'm like breathing it. I have no idea how to do this. Like I would never be able to smoke a cigar properly. I would just like inhale all of it. Are you not supposed? To, are you supposed to inhale? Yeah, that? cigars. I hear you're supposed to just like keep it in your mouth. Like, really? It's it's all it's more about the ambiance of smoking a cigar. You know, it's not about like getting letting it go into your lungs. It's just like you know. Also, such a know. nasty smell. It is. Yeah. It's... But people love the smell. Really? I think so. I think that's like the whole thing is like, you smell a cigar. It's like, but it's all about the air around you smelling like it. It's about that environment of it, I think. It doesn't signify like some, like, you know, white boys only club. Yeah, it feels Some like... illegal thing. Oh, actually, I mean, cigars are like Cuban, right? They're and Cuban. It's so like a. It's like a, I'm like a wealthy, like you know, yeah. just chilling on the beach, it's like a or, symbol of affluency. Yeah, it is. It definitely it is. is like an elite thing. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's very weird. I never smoked a cigar. Me neither. My my dad used to smoke a cigar on New Year's Eve. That was like it was every so year? random. Every year, just on New Year's Eve. Just on New Year's Eve. So in Denmark, you buy fireworks. Every family buys fireworks, uh-huh. and you do it outside of your door when it's midnight. As a child, you're like so excited. You're gonna go out. You're gonna blow all these fireworks. So my dad would buy a lot of fireworks for us, and then he'd buy himself a cigar, and the cigar would allow him to just like lit it up. Right, so he'd yeah. be smoking, and then he'd lit up the, the, the rockets. I don't know what they call them. Is it rockets here as well? Um, um well, that's a spark. That's fireworks that like go into the air, isn't that? I don't that's know what the, they call the firework. Okay, I feel like yeah, so you would light those up because we were kids. We weren't allowed to light them up. Obviously, they were super dangerous. So yeah, so he'd just have a cigar and he'd go and light up and go back and smoke a cigar. It's so weird. It was just a New Year's Eve thing. Damn, I and love my, that. And my my mom would smoke it as well. With him. Really? Yeah. So they they smoke cigars. Yeah. That's so like cool. an annual weird thing, dude. They, they, they yeah. don't do that anymore, but And your parents smoke cigarettes? 
I that used to he quit. Uh-huh. He's that was amazing. He just quit cold turkey and he was like, I'm not gonna smoke anymore. That was it. And he had been smoking for like twenty five years. You know what's funny is I think my dad smoked, but like I never knew he did. His car would smoke cigarettes, but he like hid it from us. So I have no idea when he started, when he stopped, but I was like, I know he's done it. Like, yeah, it's done now because I don't smell it in the car. Yeah, exa- uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I was like, I think he's not doing it anymore. Was it a phase? Does he do what he's stressed? I have, like, no clue. We've never talked about it. Yeah, you guys probably stressed him the fuck out. And I he was, was sitting me. in his car, smoking and <laughs> contemplating like, his whole life. Is this Why it? Why do I do this? <laughs> Just drive. I said I go out for, for cigarettes and I'm leaving now. <laughs> they came back. That's a good thing. He did. He always Usually came when, back. Usually when dads go out for cigarettes, they don't, <laughs> they come, don't back. come back. <laughs> <laughs> they go for a smoke and they're starting a new family yeah. now. So Girls are just smoking in the car. Yeah, <laughs> like this is all I need. It's so funny when parents do that, right? They do these random things when they want to get away from their kids. Yeah. My mom prays to get away from us. <laughs> and that's what I, I told you that. I'm like, my mom uses this song to just be like, this is me time. I'm so tired of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to talk to God. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one I trust. Yeah. All right. None of you. Oh god! Yeah. Oh my god! It's crazy. I'm the first. I'm the first episode. This You're the is, first episode. This is wild. I'm just did it processing. It. Yeah, I, I did kind of make it happen because you were like, I, I told you I about did. it. And you were like, dude, that's so cool. You should do it. I was like, yeah. I, I just wanted to smoke. I was like, <laughs> yeah, do this podcast. Yeah, this is just for me to hang out. <laughs> also, uh, that is exactly why I'm doing it. I just want right. to have people over smoke hookah. <laughs> So I'm, I'm sick of doing this alone. So yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> I love that so much, man. Well, how is it? How's it been feeling being in New York? How long have you been here now? We're both new. We're both new. For me, it's been thirteen months now. Thirteen months. Yeah. So I had my one year anniversary. And okay. Do me too. Yeah. Because I, I moved in July. I I moved like mid June. Holy cow. Yeah, wait, it's 14 months. Yeah. Same time. For me, it feels a little... Okay, I think for you, it's like a... I feel like it's like a proper move because I would keep coming back and forth like for the past couple of years just to do shows. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I already know everyone, but now I'm like officially here. Right, right. But for you, it was like, I don't know anyone. It was such a big move. It was like... That's wild. Uprooting your entire life, leaving... Is there something super exciting about that? Like, how much of that is excitement versus like nervousness? Oh, I get excited. I moved around quite a bit now and I think I get excited when I go to a new place because, you know, it's a new beginning you can kind of like change the things you didn't like about your past life and, yeah and then start fresh start fresh but after a certain age it becomes really um tiring too when I when I did that when I was 23 I moved or 24 I moved again when I was 25 I moved oh. and then I stayed in that place in the UK for six years so you, wait you were 24 and then I'm the new host of this podcast oh um, that's that's what so it sounds like you, yeah <laughs> I love it you, wanna, you, wanna you moved to 24 and then what, why did you move like a year later so I was studying abroad. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went to first. I went to California, and then I moved to Portugal. Then I moved to the UK. Portugal, and then the UK. Why Portugal? I was studying. Oh, God. Yeah, it was a part of my master's, and I was, like, just doing research there for a year. Yeah. So every time I moved, it was fun, and it was something different. Now we get excited. I remember in all of those places, California and in Portugal, mm-hmm. at the end of it, at the everyone was upset. They were like, oh, this is coming to an end. This was such a special time. But I knew for Aww. me, I was just going to go do something else, too. Like, yeah. it was going to be another new thing. And I was like, I'm actually not sad. No, I right. had fun with you, but I'm done with you now. It's like, yeah. on to, to the next time to go. Well, how, do you feel, how do you feel about New York? Do you feel longevity here, like that you foresee, or um, it's it goes like yeah, it's I'm unsure. I I've been saying that I have a love and hate relationship with New York. That uh, I love how much I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I get that, (laughs) right? I get it. I fucking hate this place, but I also. I also always say it's the only place in the U.S. I could probably live. And then people tell me, oh, you sound exactly like a New Yorker. It's true because, like, everything's happening here. Like, yeah. everything. Where would you? Where else would you be going to, to like, You could go to L.A., yourself. but it's, I think there's more of, like, a hustle culture here. Yeah. And you meet a lot of interesting people. It's a melting pot. And yeah. there's kind of a space for anyone. And you just have to make, create that space for yourself. It's on you to... To get comfortable and to fit in, you can. 
Yeah. Is, is what it feels like. But I like yeah. that I can be by myself in this city. Like, I feel like anonymous. Yeah. Whereas in Chicago, I felt like I'd be on a train and I'm like, oh, that's someone I went to high school with. Okay. Right. Um, well, <laughs> oh, maybe Chica- <laughs> Chicago is that small? I think so. I, I think did. so. I would go on the train. I would see people I know. Or, I mean, it, honestly, I think it was just fine. I just think I got bored. Yeah. You know, it's like I, yeah. I've been there my whole life. That's how and I felt about Copenhagen, too. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, if you're not going to get, like, I'm 32. So it's like, if I was, like, married and, and having kids, sure, I'd stay in Chicago. But it's like, okay, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I love right. comedy. I'm going to go somewhere where I can keep doing that and, like, just make a change. Yeah. Otherwise... I feel like you stay in the suburbs of the Midwest when you want to settle down. Yeah. And that makes sense. You know? That makes sense. Uh, if you're not, if you don't have a regular residential kind of life, why would you, why would you not come Why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I like, I couldn't yeah. find any more reasons as to why I wasn't like, right. yeah, like why shouldn't, why should I be here? Why shouldn't I move? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. And you're pursuing yeah. comedy. You're doing so amazing. You're doing so obviously, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're amazing. It's and hard to say that about yourself. You're just like, I don't know. I think Cause I'm doing we, it. Because we're always made to feel bad about how we're doing, right? Because someone else is always doing better. How do you how do you cope with uh, the whole, uh, how it ebbs and flows, and sometimes you're relevant and sometimes you're not? Ooh. I mean, when I'm not relevant, I'm posting a selfie. Like, I feel like you see me on Instagram. I've been posting pictures of, like, my eyeliner. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm st- I'm here. Uh, in case you forgot. Still cute. Still cute. <laughs> I'm still cute. I'm still here. I'm around. All right? So <laughs> that's how I handle it. Or I just get really uh, hyper-focused on something else. So if I'm feeling, for me, it's more like not feeling irrelevant feeling like stuck like if I feel stuck in comedy I'm like I can't write a goddamn good joke for the wife of me or I feel like uh like not grounded or something like I just put it I put it all away for a minute and that could be a week a couple weeks it could be days and I just like go and do like a bunch of workout classes or like get really into running again or start painting a lot right so it's like I feel like I just have to re-energize from different things right Right. Sometimes it's numbing with a lot of Netflix, but you know. Yeah, that's interesting to energize with other things. I feel that a lot. I I go I go crazy with workouts when I do that. Like I obsessively. You did a a half marathon. I did a half marathon, the Brooklyn half in March. Right. And I was training for that so intensely for six months. Achilles heel injured, my hips injured, my knees injured, my shoulder injured, everything. But I was just like relentless, and I had to do it. I was also going. Really like dark mental state. Sometimes and you gotta run it out. You did yeah, that, you did. did that help? Um, the fact that the weather also started getting better, and uh-huh. I was um doing better in comedy as well. So yeah, you've been crushing it. And then I feel like you, I feel like you've just been more like social. I feel like you've just been out and about, hanging out a lot more. Yeah. Does that feel good? Does that like help? Yeah, I think it's a difference in attitude. Now I hang out because I like people. Yeah. You know, there are people that I want to hang out with and I want to see them and I want to just be in the spaces they're in. Funny. Uh, right. Uh, <laughs> it's true. I can't help it. Yeah. I'm just really freaking cool. Uh, she looks right at the camera. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I do commercials. I know how right. I know when to look. You know, she knows yeah. how to work the angle. Work the camera. Yeah. What's your, what's your camera look? I'm like, I don't have a camera. Like, I just... What's your, what's your, we talked about this yesterday when we were like, a woman is like shooting her shot. What does she she do? What do you do? Shooting a shot? mm, Like if I was in person with a guy? If you're at a party and there's a cute guy, what would you do? I would be very flirtatious with him. I mean, I wouldn't. You'd talk to him? Yeah. I would find a way. Like if he wasn't already talking to me, I would just see if there's something there. Like if he's, we're sitting here and he's like, uh, you know talking a bunch of people there i would find a way in i'd be like hey guys what's 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 going on or like maybe i'm acting like i'm gonna be that bold but i feel like i'd find a way to start conversation you've never done that or have you (laughs) i I feel like i have i feel like i've flirted with guys that i think are like might potentially be into me i feel like a little bit of eye contact will help me 
like just like yeah, like I just be like, isn't it the thing? And you know that I would go and talk, right? But you do the do the sideways look. <laughs> like I feel like a lot of no, a lot I mean, of women do sideways look. Just like you look and then you look away, you look again, you look away, right? Oh, but yeah. I don't know if that ever works. I don't really know either. I mean, I just look to see if they're looking, and if they're not, I'm like, oh, maybe there's nothing here. Yeah. Um, I have a friend who had she had an amazing move when what was your move? We'd be out like dancing or something, and she'd find a guy, and and then she would just like she'd do the well, it's a bit the Beyonce look. She'd look back, and then she'd smile, and she'd look away. I love <laughs> it. Like, wow, that was like you know he knows now, right? You're or, yeah. yeah, that she's in that she wants him to talk to her. That she wants to, she wants him to come I over. I think I flip my hair. I think that's my move. Okay. I think if I feel like a guy might be into me, I'll just like kind of just like. <laughs> Like I like maybe I won't even look at them. I think I don't think I'm as bold as I'm saying. Like I, I think, I I think just like, uh, guys always think that women are ridiculous in the way they shoot their shots because they just look and they think that's enough. <laughs> you know? I did it. You know, like I look, I look at you. I also just I want you to be read. Why? How do you not know that? How do you not get this? <laughs> like what? How can I make it more obvious? I looked at you. Isn't that enough? Isn't, yeah. I just, like that's, that just shows that we're just as bad at communicating as men are. I think so. That's proof. I think I think that is proof. Well, women often think at least okay, this is generalizing a lot, but you often think that the things you do in a relationship or whatever, he should understand why you're doing it. It's like nonverbal communication. But yeah. men are just they not need, as good. They need as, direct communication. Yeah, they they don't emote in the same way, right? So you need way more direct communication. It's just that. This is really good. Oh, we're talking about shooting your shot. So how do you do it? Like, what if there's a guy here and he's like, just hanging out with a bunch of dudes over there, like friends. Like, how would you? I never like him. I never do. Just like kind of hang out. I might look, but the look won't suggest. It's not a suggestive look. It's not a flirtatious look. It's just like a look. Hence, why I'm never like I'm really bad at this. So. Yeah. yeah, I feel that. We needed to go to that rooftop party. Yeah, why didn't we do that? Why didn't we go there? We, we would have met people. We would have met there people. There are a lot of singles events we should go to. We should go to those. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe like, yeah, let's not just surround <laughs> ourselves with male comics and date them. That's not a good idea. Male comics are the worst <laughs> people really on bad. earth. So They're my friends, but they're not dateable. Yeah, they're not dateable. <laughs> you, you kind of, I feel like comedy is such an uncertain is to be in so you want your partner to be a bit more certain i feel dude yeah like i do need that so right? much where i especially like i need a partner that's like stable, bit more stable. yeah with what they're doing because yeah. my thing is so you know freelance and crazy and hectic right. and i need some someone to be like a rock for me like absolutely you know yeah absolutely Sometimes I really think about it. I'm like, maybe I need a, like a really older guy who's like set in his like career and established. Yeah, maybe and, not even old, but someone who's yeah. been in, been doing that for a while and knows right. what they want, knows what, where they're going. I definitely feel that way because for the last at least ten years, I've just been all over the place. Always been like chasing something, and yeah. it's like it's this fast life. I never know what tomorrow's gonna look like. Exactly. But if if the person that you're with is way more stable, then it censors you. I think. Well, at least that's what I think about it, but I don't know. Who it knows? does. It kind of yeah. does. Um, and like I feel like after dating a lot here in the city, I know the things that I don't like. Right. You know. Yeah. I need a guy who's just like gonna banter with me. Banter. At least. Yeah. It's like a minimum requirement. Mm-hmm. Whereas I wouldn't do that. I would date guys that were like so quiet and like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like I don't like that. But yeah. Like, why do I keep doing that? <laughs> dating those guys. Is it, do you think it's a, it's kind of escapism? You don't want to, is it to like not be alone? So you just end up dating someone that you know is not compatible with you. He doesn't check off the boxes that are important to you, but right. it's more like, oh, I mean, at least it's it's a relationship. I'm ch- testing it out. I'm putting myself out there. I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's putting myself out there and trying. Right. Right now, I feel like very much in the trying phase. So I'm like, let me just try different kinds of guys. Right. And see what is good, what's not. But now I know. Now I'm like, for sure. I'm like, okay, well, I dated enough quiet guys. But I'm like, that's not going to work. Right. Right. So it kind of, it does lead you into the right direction. Yeah. I mean, I didn't start dating until I was like 24. Yeah. 
right? That's, yeah. But she feels like a standard Muslim brown person. I think so. You get over that feeling of shame and then you just like, Yeah. <laughs> well, did you, was it the same for you? Because when I was little, my mom, oh my gosh, she was just, like, I I was supposed to stay away from guys. Like, they were the guys, White guys, especially for oh, me. Guys. You white guys? White guys. But you're, you were in Turkey. So then what? No, I was in Denmark. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, I grew up in Denmark and it was like, white guys are no, no. So then there was just like, it was just not an option. But uh, I went to white, I went to schools with loads of white people. So it just automatically meant that you weren't looking. It's like so. Yeah. Yeah, just really following the rules. Yeah, know? I know. I was like, I was until so you, fine. Until we book. stopped. You know? I know, yeah. It's like, and the funny thing is, like, my, my, my Muslim girlfriends who, like, were secretly dating in high school, like, ended up, like, marrying their people. <laughs> like, and I'm like, God damn it. I should have just secretly dated. Like, why did I do that? I was, like, such a goody two shoes. I was too. And I was such a dog, too. Like, Me I was too. all about the school, all about the learning, and, and yeah. just. Spending all my time at the library. Me too. Well, I mean, I think that was me for a long time. Then in high school, it was just sports. It was just me and tennis. Like, I'm just going to play so much tennis. And you know, that was the one way I would get to hang out with guys. Because at my tennis club, um, I would have to play with dudes. And I was right. like, so for me, it's like, this is a date. Like, <laughs> I was like, you know, we're, just, we're playing a match, but we're dating. We're this dating. is like, we're together yeah. right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, what is it? Like, my mom can't say anything about that. Who's going to define what a date is? Yeah, yeah. for you, that's a date. It's a tennis match, you know? Yeah, there you go. Singles. I, I started boxing when I was 15. Oh, hell yeah. And I was at a boxing club with almost only dudes there was only one other woman so that was like a way of being i was around a lot of male energy yeah so i think i was just not attracted to it because you know you see them and like you see their goofiness and you see their like every day yeah yeah i don't know it was just like i get that i never i never tried to date yeah for sure was it a part of you that felt like was the goofiness like a turnoff or was it like your parents in your head like you're not supposed to talk to them or something you're not supposed to talk to them and i grew up with loads of like male cousins and i have three brothers so it was always like that kind of goofiness the silliness like punching each other around that was a part of just being like family right right, right. so i would treat people that way so automatically you know Mm -hmm. these also those boys were not an option for me so they automatically just became like my friend i was the girl with so many friends oh that's so that's you were cool that's like <laughs> on the outside that looks so cool like i was scared to be around male energy because i was oh, like this is wrong and then i would get nervous and i was like right. they, they know i'm in love with them like i can't i just didn't know how to be right. around dudes i never knew if someone had had a crush on me or yeah, anything same. i never knew because for me it was just never an option so i couldn't read those signs i couldn't either and then my friends that had been dating a lot more they'd be like no this guy's into you and i was right. like no he just wants to rock climb like right <laughs> we're just rock climbing friends and like we rock climb like three times and my friend was like sabine this guy is so into you and then we finally after we rock climb i mean this one dude it was in california we one day after rock climbing, he was like, Sabine, I, you're amazing. And I was like, oh, shit, she was right. She was right. Oh, my God. Friends are often good at telling. They're right? good, but I never want to listen. Yeah. Because I think you can't. I think you kind of have to go through the motions of whatever you're doing. Yeah. You have to learn and, like, figure it out. It was so weird for me. In the UK, I had this really close friend, um, and I just really thought of him as you know the, my, my male friends to me are always like asexual to me you know they have <laughs> okay. no sexuality they're just they're like a people. pet <laughs> exactly it's just like and that's how I saw this friend and then I had two friends that saw us together and he was like we're like what the fuck is going on with you two ah, oh my like, god what do you mean like this is totally something is happening between you he's totally into it's like no you're you're wrong and then I started seeing it yeah. and once I did I got the Ick. Yeah, I was like, because you Ew. didn't see him that way no, at all. At it didn't all. change you that like he was into you. Maybe if you liked him or you did have some feelings, maybe you wouldn't have gotten the egg. Maybe, but the fact that I started noticing that behavior, I started noticing, oh, he was acting differently towards me than to his other female friends. Yeah, um, and then I was like, ew. <laughs> I don't know what, what, why. It's gross. Like, oh, it's gross. We're gross. Be normal. So then, do you feel like you can 
So then you probably don't want to date in your friend circle. No. Like if there was a guy no. in your, it has to be someone that you don't know. That I don't know. Ah. I feel like it's. Uh, makes I, sense. I would be uncomfortable being that vulnerable with someone I know. Mm. Which is also. I was gonna say because they say the best relationships are like your friends first, and then it yeah. becomes something. Yeah, I think that just just that I me. need to be in therapy. So yeah, you need to go be a therapist. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's an issue about commitment and vulnerability, right? In a normal relationship, you can just like you can just you know close it off, lock the door, just go away. Yeah. Um, but with a friend, you don't want to lose your friend, and just those issues around like commitment and stuff. It just makes it, it just yeah. means that I wouldn't put myself out there like that. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I totally get that. When did you live in California? At 2014 to 2015, like, middle of 2015. Oh, okay. What'd you do? I started doing stand-up out there. So wow. I was in Chicago my whole life. I did a few improv classes. To, it was post-college. I was like, let me try improv to see if I'm funny. And then I was like, oh, I think I'm funny, but I hate improv. Um, like, just mm-hmm. like, I, I, I think I grew a lot from it. Like, it was really cool to do that and, like, play around with people in a room. Yeah. Like, I thought that was cool. But I was like, I'm more solo than this. Like, I like having uh, full control over what the scene is going to be, which means stand-up, and which is what I wanted to do. And then I it just happened that it happened to be, like, right when I wanted to start stand-up, I also just wanted to move right. for the hell of it. I was like, let me try the West Coast. And so I went to the Bay Area. I did stand-up out there. And then I was like, ooh, I love this. Let me go back to Chicago and get good at it. That's cool. So, and Chicago yeah. has a really good scene. It's right? an amazing scene. I think sometimes you just move because you need to like learn about yourself and like mm-hmm. figure out who you are. Because I needed to know myself outside of my family, and I was like, in Chicago, I just am so connected to them. Like, I always feel so responsible for family things, and like so close to them that I'm right. always like trying to make sure you know. To, like, I, I was just like too involved with my family. Like, you know? Yeah. And so when I moved, I was like, oh, now I get to just be a person. I have to be myself. You can do things that you want to do. Yeah. And 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 not always around family. Right. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. It's just so much learning when you move. Yeah. You know? For sure. And all of a sudden, you have so much time to... Family just takes so much of your time, right? Like being home for dinner and yeah. doing, helping your parents with things. And especially if you're doing good parents. Then you do everything. You, you end do up doing everything. it all. Yeah. I, I think I was like eight, nine years old when I started calling the bank for my dad. You know? I, I, I was crazy. <laughs> calling the bank for my dad. You're like, it was when I was nine when I became the family secretary. And I signed a contract. I definitely did become the family secretary. Uh, no payment. <laughs> Oh my god, this is the funniest thing ever. My parents used to, so my mom is, uh, used to clean offices, and they would, uh, during the summer break, they would take me to work with her, yeah. and my parents, they were like trying to enforce, so, like, you have to work, you know, it's a part of your growth, but they would pay me 25 krona a day. Okay, there were kids in sweatshops in Bangladesh that were making more money than <laughs> me. <laughs> so then you moved to Bangladesh, and you're like, hey, will you guys hire me? Like, I'm getting ripped off at home. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like your trajectory. <laughs> child labor sounds fun. Uh, what's it like? <laughs> you pay time off. Like, what's it looking like, guys? <laughs> uh, yeah, just That's like crazy. yeah, just not getting my my words. My parents, you, you were yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, and it's not their fault. It's just we have to figure it out and like move out and like go do your thing because your family's always going to want you around them at all times absolutely especially Muslim families they want you there until you're married they want you there like yeah why is that the married thing my mom's always like well you're not married yet so you're not out of the family what do you mean like I'm a professional I'm out here living my own life I have my own apartment but they're like but you haven't left our family because you're not married yet and she was like, you belong to your husband. Oh, God. To your yes. husband's family. So you leave our family and you go to your husband's family. Right. That's just ridiculous. And then we can relax. Right. I'm like, how does that make you more relaxed? Because who has, how many people do you know that have, like, good marriages? I feel like most people I know almost always get divorced or yeah. need to get divorced. So you're like, why aren't you divorced yet? Oh, I think a lot of people settle. I think they're just like... I think that pressure just gets to them of like, yeah. my parents just want this for me. This is the right thing. I got to go do it. And I do believe in marriage. I love it. I think it's great, you know, being with someone. But like, I don't think that's like, 
don't just settle for it. Like, wait. Yeah, for sure. Wait it out. Like, don't do it because everyone around you and all your friends are married, and now you feel like you have to be married. Mm. You're going to make the wrong decision. Absolutely. And a lot of, I know so many people in Chicago that are like, just divorced because they didn't make the right decision. And that's fine. You know, you're learning and you're growing, but... I think that that's also something that should be normalized, that you shouldn't force yourself to stay in an unhappy marriage right. just because, you know, you said you, this is this was a choice you made. It should be normalized to be like, you know what, I'm not happy in this. Why yeah. should I spend the rest of my life in this situation? Exactly. So many times in my while growing up, I was like, I wish my parents would just get divorced. I, I feel that, 100%. Right? You know... I mean, like our parents' generation is just so hard for them because they build such a dependency on each other, or especially the woman so dependent on the husband. Mm-hmm. Especially if they like move to a different country, like America. Yeah. Like my mom doesn't know how to like be by herself and support herself and sustain herself. You know, like it's there is yeah. a dependency there. I just sometimes think it's shocking how from our parents' generation to ours, we became people that left and were out doing yeah. our own thing and I feel like there's so much agency that you, you get from doing that. Mm-hmm. And then our moms, mothers who aren't, then it's it's so sad because it's just it's like what we've been given in life and versus what they've been given. And, and mm-hmm. so, so much has just been taken from them because they're just one generation earlier than us. Yes. It's so sad. It's, it's sad when you see that. Yeah. You see your mom in that position and you're like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Like, I wish she could have had what I have right now. And you're like able to like be your person, mm-hmm. like outside of your husband. Absolutely. How is this in my mouth? Just keep talking. Okay, I'll just keep talking while you have a little mini meltdown over there. I would love to see this on like a date where you're like with a guy and you're like, just keep talking. I just have a just one second. I've done weirder things on dates. What's yeah, the yeah. weirdest thing you've done on a date? Um, I can't even think of mine. I think I, I get, if I get embarrassed, I will, my brain will immediately like just completely hide that from me and like just delete it. So I don't have to ever think about it again. I embarrass so easily. You do? I do. You're a comedian. But I still get embarrassed. So no, not on stage, but like, well, I mean, yeah, on stage too, for sure. Like, there's times, but like, in real life, like, I'm confident. I love socializing, but like, I don't know have a weak spots. Like, if I do something stupid, I'll be like, oh my God, what did I do? What did I just say? Did oh I just stutter? Did I just that? Like, that is so real. There's so many times yeah. I'm like, I'm going to put this in a box, lock it away, and never yeah. think about it again. Yes. Yeah. I mean, stand up helps because, like, eventually you do talk about those things and then you make it funny and then people are laughing and you're like, that was therapy. I figured right. that one out. Right. We did it. Right. Did. Yeah, for sure. It takes a while to get that stuff out. Uh, it's because that's literally what comedy is, right? It's tragedy plus time. Yes. Yes. So many things that I could talk about on stage where I was like, I would have never been able to talk about this a long time ago with my friends or anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you get to a point now, how long have you been in comedy for? Eight, nine years. Maybe. I don't know. So, uh, did you notice that around your fifth year of doing stand-up, sort of get to a point where you talk about things that were comfortable to you before? The first many years, you only talk about things that are in your comfort zone. Like, you talk about identity and mm-hmm. race and those kind your, your parents, right? It's the things mm-hmm. that are easiest to talk about and the things you probably have thought about the most. And then after a certain... It's usually they say it's the fifth year. Start talking about things that you know before was like unthinkable to you. Yeah, like I started talking a lot about dating, which I'm really comfortable talking about now. But mm-hmm. five years ago, there was no way I could have talked about that on stage. Oh, me too. I never talked about dating. I, I, I even now, like I, I'm starting to, but I still get kind of weird about it because I'm coming at it from like such a weird perspective of like I'm sure you are too where it's just like being Muslim and like feeling so uncomfortable in the dating world right and being like oh how do I like honor like my culture and identity but also like get into western dating and feel okay about it mm-hmm. and and like how do I talk about it because I'm so anxious about so many things like you know like yeah. for me growing up it was like I mean, I was so conservative. Even, like, wearing, like, a skirt on a date is, like, crazy for me sometimes. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, like, showing a lot of skin right now. I'm like, like, I just have this weird stuff. Right. But I'm like, people don't think about that. Like, that's not 
people, like, if I talk about it on stage, people will be like, what? That's your issue? You, you don't want to wear shorts? Like, and I'm like, yes. Yeah. It eats at me. <laughs> and and that's, that's fair, right? Because we all have our own, like, comfort levels, levels yeah. and stuff. But So what is one thing that you think you're now more comfortable say year two comedy Sabine versus now what is one topic that you can now talk about on stage that you could before you know what for me uh, a big thing growing up was like dietary issues like I always had stomach problems mm. and I was always so embarrassed and like my stomach was always like everything would like upset me I had a very nervous stomach I played competitive tennis so I was always put into positions where I would have so much anxiety and it would just make my stomach worse so now, year five, I would say, I actually started talking about having IBS and like, in a weird way, it almost like, I kind of healed myself by talking about it and then changing my diet and things are better. But that was the thing that was very hard for me. Right. Um, and then now on stage, talking about um, my relationship with my parents more and like how some things were crazy that they did because I'm always trying to like deeply respect them. And I'm always like, oh, I don't want to like put down my family on stage. But these are the things that happen. Right. So that I'm, I'm better about now. Where it's like, I can just talk about these issues and it's okay. Yeah. And it's not like me making fun of my parents. It's just For like, sure. these are my experiences. Yeah. I do deeply dislike it when people make fun of their parents. You know what? I, I deeply dislike it when people make fun of their parents and yeah. shit. Yeah. Like, it's like a, it's like a fine line though because sometimes right. I'm just like am I making fun of her but like that's a crazy thing she said like my miscarriage bit oh you know? I love that bit so it's like yeah so it's like stuff like that now right. I'm that's trying not, to talk about I don't think that's that's, that's not, not you making fun of her, right? fun. no not it's at like all it's like just like it's a crazy thing for a parent to say that yeah to and kid. you know we are all slightly traumatized by our parents yeah everyone is yeah so just being comfortable saying that because I'm yeah. always just like you know I gotta honor them I gotta make sure that like if they came to this country for me like I have to make it like it, it, they're incredible people and my therapist called me out on it because I was talking to her about my parents and she was like well how did you feel about x y and z about your parents and, and I was like they're great people there's you know they're amazing they've given me every opportunity and she's like look I get it <laughs> I, okay sure there's still people they mess up here and there it's okay to admit that and I was like yeah you're right like yeah so, I don't know, well, what's, what's something that you talk about on stage now that you never could have before? Dating is a big part of it. Yeah. Okay. I was never comfortable talking about dating before. Was and it because you thought people would judge you, or did you just feel like that's not something I want to disclose about myself? The latter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not not the judgment thing. It was more like, that's too personal. I don't know how yeah. I'm dealing with it myself. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a huge... Whereas all the other topics, you know, I talked about my upbringing, talked about racism in Denmark or being a student at Cambridge like all of these topics that are funny that you can quickly write jokes about mm-hmm. they were such a big part of my life and I thought about them a lot and the jokes were easier to write yeah right so I knew where I stood mm-hmm. as with dating I really did not know where I, st- yeah. I stood with people and it's you're talking about your own vulnerabilities on stage mm-hmm. uh, and I think in all those other with all those other topics you're not the vulnerable one you're like you're, you got control over you it. got control and you're usually on the side that did not mess up you know, ah yes you, yes right? yes like someone else did something to you right you're like you're usually just you're usually just punching up too in those cases whereas with dating sometimes you say things where it's like very obvious that you were in the wrong or like you were making a very self-deprecating joke about your da- dating life and and disclosing things that yeah you know are just very personal totally it's yeah, hard and, and like you're right like the thing of like not knowing yourself in, in dating because it's like if I started in my mid-20s and I'm still like figuring it out like I don't understand myself as someone in the dating world I'm like how do people even see me am I like some conservative weirdo or like am I do they think I look like some kind of player like what's my deal like I don't even know how I appear as someone that's in the dating world. Right. Yes. The other day, someone actually, a comic that we both know, told me, um, said, oh, look at you with your fuckboy material. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's so obvious that you're a fuckboy. Ah! It's like, is that what Are that suggests? I am definitely a fuckboy, but that's hilarious. I didn't think it was coming off that way. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I have no idea. I like, do that. Like, yeah, I am I'm toxic. I am toxic. Yes, I definitely know that I am. But that was also me turning into a fuckboy. Was also me really owning my dating life and like, ooh, that was a big part of it. 
I don't know what I am as a dater. I think I always okay. That's interesting because I don't. I was told I was being toxic because I was going back and forth with a guy for a while. My friend was like, Sabina, you're being toxic. And I was like, what? No. I am a perfect sweet angel. What are you talking? I'm like, fair. I'm nice. I'm kind. I could never hurt a man. Like, I'm like, oh, no, I did. I, like, kind of just did a back and forth with him because I didn't know what I want. And, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. For sure. So, Yeah. I think, yeah, I'm trying to be not toxic. That's a big part of it. Yeah, I'm really trying. Yeah. And in, recently I've been talking to friends about dating nice guys. And, you know, it's just not a thing that comes natural. Yeah. The, I think there's something about, like, a guy who does have his life good and he's kind and sweet. And I don't Maybe I, maybe we all have some commitment issues because yeah. I think I say I want marriage, I want long-term, I want all this stuff. But then when it's presented to me, I'm like... No, you're not good enough. Um, so it's like, hold on, what's the real problem here? What's the real problem? Like, what? What is? You don't know what you're really looking for, right? It's yeah. Like, and sometimes I think about it, and I'm like, is it because I haven't reached like a certain threshold with comedy, like where I'm like, well, once I'm at this place, I'll feel more settled to like get go down that long term relationship. Oh, I think this is all just excuses we make up. Maybe right. I because I kept Could doing be. that about my my education in the UK. I was like, oh, but you know, I'm doing my PhD, and then I'm gonna like leave. I'm gonna go wherever the post. So I would just not commit to anyone. Yeah, and I like you know when I think back to some of those guys, it's like these were amazing people. But I really just like did not give them the respect that they deserved in a in a relationship because they were so yeah. kind to me. But I was always just like. You know, I can't commit to this because I have all these other goals in my life. And yeah. until I figured those out, but you're never, we're not people who are right. ever going to stop, right? Because yeah. we have ambitions and we're hardworking. We're always going to go after what we want. So I don't feel like, I feel like it's, these are just excuses that we make up because we can't commit. Yeah, I think so. I think commitment issues are a big thing. It's a big thing. Yeah, like in my 20s, I think, uh, like mid-20s, if I'm, like I did have some options of like suitors. Right. And, uh, <laughs> they just wanted a visa, didn't they? they did. No, they so, were like from Chicago. Oh, okay. but I, just, I was like, I don't know myself. That, that's a good excuse. It's right. like, if you don't know yourself and Absolutely. you're going to dive into a relationship after never having dated or talked to men, like that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been so that for a me, huge mistake. Yeah, I and I think about that a lot. And I'm like, you know, did I make the right decisions there? Should I have settled down with, like, so-and-so? And I'm like, no. I had no idea who I was at that time. And you can't mm-hmm. grow together with someone. It's just so risky at that age. And now I'm like, I have a better understanding of myself now. Someone was presented possibly, but back then, no. For sure. Like, I think sometimes when I look at some cousins of mine that are really young and they're getting married, I'm like, do you even know who you are? Like, yeah. what have you... I know it's, like, really condescending to say, but it's... I'm like, you know nothing. Like, you yeah. know nothing about life. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? But, you know, I feel like there's probably no real or, real or wrong way to... There's not. To, have, to do this life thing, right? Yeah. We're all just making mistakes and we're just doing do-overs again and again. Sometimes I feel like... So, so this is the thing where I'm like, I, I keep flip-flopping, but I'm like, well, if they did get married early, they probably learned a lot in that marriage and they got a divorce and now they kind of know themselves in a deeper way. Should I have just gotten married and divorced and like now been more understanding of myself? Also, I've been actually thinking about this lately that we are now at that age where we're probably going to end up with someone who's been divorced. Oh, yeah. And I think that's great because he probably made a lot of mistakes in his first marriage and it yes. was just like take over the improved version. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You get, you get like the growth divorce guy. Exactly. Hopefully. Hopefully. Sometimes they got divorced and it's like because they're a hot mess and they right. cannot figure it out. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's actually a good thing, right? Would yeah. you ever uh, date or be with someone who already has kids? I don't think I would, but you never know, right? You, you, you never, never know. say never, but I don't think I would. I don't think I would either, but I agree with you where I'm yeah. like, well, if and by some way, like, he's perfect, right? and I can't see myself with anyone else, then if that comes with a package, that's fine. Yeah. Because you just don't know. It's, it's about being more comfortable with not knowing, like... Yeah, I don't. Mean, you don't know. Idris Elba has kids. Would I marry him? Yes, I would. I yeah. would. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh so it all depends on who it is, I guess. 
I got excited because I was seeing like the news. Like I, I'm too involved with celebrity stuff. But like Chris Evans recently said he was like my crush forever. Really, Chris Evans? Oh, he's so hot. I don't know. I saw him <laughs> in the Nanny Diaries with Scarlett Johansson, and I was a nanny, and I was like, I'm, I need Chris Evans. He Chris needs- Evans. He's the guy that plays uh, Captain America. Yeah, it's Captain America. Okay. He is so fine. I just cannot. He's very conventionally American, good-looking man. Oh, God, why do I like that? Ah. <laughs> that says a lot about me. You hate yourself. That's Shit. what that means. Shit. I, ah. Oh. <laughs> I mean, I like brown guys, That's too. Fine. Wait, Chris <laughs> Evans has kids? No, he doesn't. I'm just saying, like, I got excited because in the news, he recently said, he was like, I'm on a path of finding my forever person. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. You're like, what? I'm here. Hello. What do you mean? You're, lo- you're looking for me. <laughs> I'm sitting right now waiting. Right. So. Oh. What is an um? What is it? Talk about a weird like crush you have. A weird crush. A weird crush. You like on a celebrity or like yeah, what? Yeah, on a celebrity. Oh, I mean, this is I've told people. I like now he's old and I'm not into it, but I have the, the deepest crush on Benicio del Toro. I named my cat Benicio del Toro. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's just a fun name to say at this point. But he has like this like raspy voice, and I right. think I'm like really into it. And he's kind of like ugly hot. Like, I get that. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's I just that. like something dark about him. It's really sexy. I, I see that. I, I, I see. You, what you know what I'm saying? saying? Like he has like no bucks, and right. he's just like just hot. For me, that's you know. For me, that weird crush is Robert De Niro. <laughs> I don't know what Robert it is. Robert De Niro. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe like young Robert? Even old Robert De Niro. Oh, get the hell out I, of here. I hate it. It's so weird. What is it about I don't Robert know. De Niro? I think it's the confidence. Yes. It's the fact that he is so confident and he feels like so settled in himself. Yes. Oh, that's and, so hot. And in every movie or like every, any interview he does, like he's just such a character. You're like, I find this weird yeah. feeling. No, I get that. It's, like, there's something so... That is truly sexy is like if you are so knowing of yourself mm-hmm. and you can just be you just yeah. there that's the hottest thing yeah i never realized that until like i like i mean you, you see someone that's doing that and you're like oh, right. that's hot for sure oh i get it yeah <laughs> that is a weird crush, that's a weird crush. Oh, oh you know what okay, fine i have one i have one that's like kind of like that um what, what's his name the one who's in jurassic park like dr malcolm Wait, The Rock? No. Who? Wait, why did I think of The Rock? The Rock? Park? No, I, don't, I do not like Wait, The Rock. Wait, uh, is it Chris Pratt? No, not Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's hot too, but, uh, no, it's, um, what is his name? He's, like, old now. He has, like, a couple kids. He's, oh my god, I cannot. He was in the movie The ne- Fly. I've never seen Jurassic Park. You've never seen Jurassic No. It's not classic. even the old ones. Oh my god. Old ones, new ones, I've never seen it. Okay, it's Dr. Malcolm. He's like, we have to figure out his okay. name because I know his name. Can you look it up? Oh, I don't have my phone. Okay, that's fine. Um, oh my god. It's, it's like, he's just like a man who's like, knows himself and he's like, he knows how hot he is. Right. Like, he's just like, walking around and he's like, is, he's, like he's dressy and he's just like. I'm going to look him up. Yeah. Oh my god, I cannot look up. I just, one second. <laughs> Hold on. We all know him. Everyone knows this man. He's old now, but he's like still so cute. He was in the recent Jurassic Park. Oh, Doctor. I and this is crazy that I don't remember his name, but sometimes it just happens. It's this guy. Oh, yeah. What is his name? How am I? Jeff Goldblum. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like embarrassed that I forgot his name. Jeff Goldblum. He's like so hot. He, okay, I do Even not now, think of him as hot, but don't. No, I don't know what he is. I think like. He's just this cocky, like, okay, you know what? Fine. He's like a cocky douchebag in, like, fuckboy in Jurassic Park. <laughs> I think that just is, so a, hot. is your type, actually. I think it's my type, <laughs> and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna have to accept that. Uh, and he, yeah, he's just, like, maybe, knows himself. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, maybe there are nice cocky douchebags somewhere. Somewhere. There's gotta be. Like, some that look like douchebags, but aren't actually like douchebags. Like Robert Downey Jr. I feel like he Amazing. has, he yeah. looks like a douchebag, but then yeah. he's, like, this, like, sweetheart. Yeah. He's, like, and, and he's fun. deeply traumatized, which I, yes. I love. Oh, yeah. God, it feels so good. It's like so good. Connect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All the celebrities that we want yeah. and we will not have, uh, we love them. Okay, so that's the book of 
hookup segment, I guess. Oh, was that the hookup segment? Yes. Hilarious. Yeah, I was like, we'll talk about hookups. We'll talk about hookah, which we've done. Done. I still don't know your like worst hookah story. Oh, worst hookah story? Yeah. Dude, it was a solo hookah experience. It was like two years ago. I I had recently got a hookah and I was at my apartment. My roommates went home and I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch a movie, smoke some hookah. I just was constantly smoking. You know when you just told me earlier, you were like, slow down a little bit because there was so much smoke. Now, I was doing that kind of smoking for like an hour and a half. And then after doing that, I was like, I feel really sick right now. And then I ended up like barely making it to the bathroom and I was like dry heaving because I hadn't eaten. And then I was just throwing up and just throwing up water and like just sitting in the bathroom. I was so sick. And I like called my friends. I was like, I don't feel good. And I was like... The worst. I didn't smoke hookah or anything for like a year, not a year, but like six months, maybe. Yeah, that used to happen to me all the time. And you would well, still I smoke? I, was, I would, after that, I was like, oh. Once, one of my early hookah experiences, I was like, I, I think I was like 21, 22. Um, I went to my, I had this friend that I grew up with. We were studying at the same university and he was, he was really into hookah. And so I went to his place. And he had two, um, two of those chairs that lie down. What are they called? Two chairs that lie like recliners. a lazy boy recliner. Recliners. Okay. And he, we were watching, we were watching something, a movie. We were both in like one of the recliners, and he made a hookah for each one of us. Oh wow! Because he was like the really, really into hookah, <laughs> and like a separate I sat there, one. Separate one. We have two people. You share a hookah. You share. Yeah. That's so weird. But that's how much he loved smoking. He was smoking like he didn't every want to day. Share. And he was like, "Yeah, no, of course you you smoke your own." And then I sat there. We were watching the movie, and I wasn't doing hookah enough to know. What the what the signs were? So I sat there really comfortable watching. We were watching Spider Man, I think. Cute. I yeah. I got up. Good date use, movie. I got up to use the restroom. It wasn't a date, but I'm sure. I got up to use the restroom, and the whole world was just spinning. And I just went into his bathroom and I threw up. Oh. And when oh, this was a friend. This it was a friend. Oh, yeah. no, this was a date. Okay. No, no, no. He was like a okay. good childhood friend of mine. Um, and I came back and then I continued smoking. Yeah. Really? It was so weird. And you were fine after that? I was. To smoke? I was, no. No, you weren't okay. You were no. just like, I guess I'll just keep going. Because I really did not know what to do. Oh. It was weird. And he was like, maybe you shouldn't be smoking if you were, if you just. It was like the fact that I sat there, I could see I had just thrown up. Yeah. Like, who does that? <laughs> it's just like. That's ballsy to just like keep going with it. That's so funny. So weird. So You're committed weird. to the hookup. Yeah, I guess so. And then <laughs> I've had so many experiences of, of like getting getting unwell because of it. I think one of my worst when I was traveling around a lot, but I started I first moved abroad when I was twenty three. Yeah. I went to California and I had this thing of wanting to smoke hookah in every new place I went to. So I would travel around to cities and I would always like try to find a hookah place. Because there always is. Even in the yeah. even in places that you think is unlikely there will always be a hookah place. There really is, yeah. So I would I would just go to random places Usually by myself. And once I went with a friend of mine, we went to Paris and we were uh, sitting in um, in this like really bougie area and we talked about finding a hookah place. Yeah. Um, and then these people who were sitting next to us, some French people who were Iranian, they were like, oh, there is a hookah place close to here. We go all the time. And I was like, wait, is there like a dress code? Because we were like been touristy. We've been like walking around all day. We look like shit. Um, mm-hmm. And they were like, no, we go like this. And I looked at them and I was like, that looks dressed up to me. But yeah. okay. That, they were super dressed up. Um, so we went to this place. The place had six big ass security guys in some black suits standing outside. We're like, this feels weird. They were like, they looked at us like we were up to something. Like oh. We were going to go in and beg for money or something. We went inside and, you know, we, we told them we want a table to smoke hookah. And this place was just way too upscale for how we looked and oh man what we were we were like i think i was like 23 24 24 then and they put us <laughs> in the corner where no one could see us <laughs> just like, like put a curtain around you it's just <laughs> like, like uh, put those fucking uggos away they're yeah. they're decreasing 
our value by being here. I'm surprised they didn't kick you out. I like, am surprised dress too. Code here. They should have. They should have. So we Did said, you feel awkward? Were you like, oh. So awkward. But you know, you've committed at this point, right? Yeah. Like you walked in and I was still feeling like insecure. Now I can leave a restaurant if I don't want to be there. But mm-hmm. back then I couldn't. Like I, I felt very you self-conscious. You feel like everyone's watching you and you're like, oh, yeah. okay, just act normal. Like. Act normal. Order something. So we yeah. ordered a hookah and then the menus didn't have prices. Oh, God. Yeah. That's terrifying. Because um, he took us like $200. They charged me 30 euros for a Coke. That's like 25 bucks. Yeah. For a Coke? It's more than 25 bucks. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It is. It it's is. like $40, I think, for a Coke. That's ridiculous. It was it was punishment. It was pure punishment. It was like, how dare you fucking come in here? A Coke? Yeah, they like didn't charge anyone else that much. I'm <laughs> sure. Just like you. They're like, fuck you. You come here, you like, you know. You're going to have to pay the toll. Yeah. That's so funny. You better never come back. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what it was. I think that was like my one of my worst hookah experiences. That's terrible. Yeah. So embarrassing. For sure. To just be in that situation. It's like, you should be able to just like dress whatever and go chill and smoke. Right? I love just going to hookah places to do work and just yeah. bring my laptop and do just do my own thing. So that was just such a mm-hmm. such an ag- aggressive experience. Very. Yeah. It's an upscale hookah place. I've seen some of those like in downtown. I was like near Times Square because a friend was visiting and she like decided to get a hotel there. And I was like, this was not the place to do it. But like, okay, fine. We're in Times Square. We're looking up hookah places and one of them was like, it had like $3 signs on it. And I was like, we're not going there. It's going to be overpriced and annoying. Like... Because, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's going to be that vibe. Right. And I don't yeah. like that vibe. I don't want to go to like a, I don't know, like a very fancy hookah place. I want it, sure. I want it to be chill and cheap and normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, not unnecessarily trendy. Sands of Persia. What is Absolutely. that place? Sands of Persia? Sands of Persia. I think that's the most upscale I want to go for hookah. Yeah, and that's not upscale at all. So no. that's, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. It's like they're trying, but they're they're not managing. So right. that's, yeah, exactly. that's the level. They're not doing a good job with like right. how upscale they want it. Right. And it's fine. Like, the moment you put purple lights anywhere, you're not you're not upscale. Yeah, you, 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 yeah, you destroy you that. You think you have gold, gold frames <laughs> well, and purple Light, you're not upscale. <laughs> you're not. You're not. You're like maybe, maybe middle Dubai upscale. Right, right. That's right. for sure. I uh, I love smoking in Dubai though. They have. I was there during Ramadan and they had these like hookah tents, Ramadan tents. So you would have like a star and you'd eat, and then there were there were these tables with hookah, and it was just beautiful because you're outside, mm. and that was cool. I was like, this is a vibe. I'm appreciating this, but. I feel like when in, in the States, when you go to a hookah bar and there's like belly dancers, I just get annoyed. It's just annoying. That's, I'm just like, yeah. I don't need that. Go away. Like, and then the dancers will come to me and I'm like, I'm not going to entertain this. Like, right. we're not dancing. I'm not going to get up and belly dance with you. <laughs> there's no situation where I would ever, it's like crazy. ever do that. Yeah, no. Isn't that weird? It's like, yeah. it's like, how do you belly dance together? Like, are we like... <laughs> You stomach to stomach? Are <laughs> you standing like in front of each other? Like, is it like what? Yeah, is you're this? just looking at each other and you're like moving your hips and your belly. It's like that's yeah. it. I feel like if you're gonna teach us all and give us a lesson, Miss Belly right. Dancer, then that's a whole different thing. I once went to a bachelorette party where there was a belly dancer. How was that? And she was teaching everyone to belly dance. Was it fun? It was like a fun experience also to learn that my belly just doesn't move that way. It's a lot. Yeah. It's like, it's like they, they like basically make your belly like two or three different parts. And now you have to learn how to move like right. very specific parts of it. Also, I just have too much belly. Which you is, know. if you have too much belly, you're, you'd be a great belly dancer. No. They always, they, they say that. They say more belly the merrier. <laughs> For belly dancing, <laughs> not to say anything about your belly, but like that's what it is. It's like if you if you look at traditional belly dancers, they're not flat stomach. Really? Yeah, they have some gut to them because they have some gut to be moved. Like it's okay. If you look at traditional belly dancers, they have gut. Right. But it takes a lot of work to know how to move it. For sure. You cannot just go in willy-nilly. No. And just, here we go. Gonna roll my stomach now. Like, I went yeah. on YouTube to try to teach myself. It was a workout. And I, I, bet, I didn't yeah. figure it, it out. Like, even doing the figure eight move or whatever. Is that the weirdest thing you try to teach yourself by looking at YouTube, YouTube? videos? Twerking and belly dancing. Twerking, I tried to. Yeah, I failed miserably. I, know. I was like, I don't know, but I think I just, yeah, no, my ass doesn't move like that. I, yeah, it doesn't. Mine, no. mine neither. And I know a lot of people are like, well, it's a, one of my friends told me years ago, she was like, it's in your ankles. I'm like, how? 
What? It's in your ankles? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Twerking is not in your ankles. And so I, like, I, I've given up. I don't I care. I wish you had someone's, like, fact check right now. We need a twerking fact twerking checker, like expert. an expert. Like, you should have that on every episode. <laughs> the twerking expert. That should be a segment. Twerking. Twerking. So now we're on our twerking segment. Happy you twerked. <laughs> like, and how do you feel about it? Show us. Show us Show how us you to twerk. twerk. <laughs> Give us your best twerk right now. <laughs> Actually, belly dancing would be perfect because it's hookup. You should be like, all right, now, now we're in the belly dancing segment. And I don't need to be self-conscious in my in my own in my own podcast yeah yeah that's true you don't do it just make your guests do it yeah yeah i'm making belly dance for me there we go yeah this could not get like this is a segment where you serenade me yeah like wait that's how you can get on your guest that's how you can get on a guy if you're like what you like and you're like come to my podcast and then they just like dim the lights and oh man <laughs> all right, fine. That's creepy. If a guy did that, then they'd be canceled that in a second. Exactly. I'm yeah. not thinking straight. That is very predatory. <laughs> you know, um, I could obviously talk to you forever, but I, I think uh, this. You know, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, you could. Yeah. Pretty sure. Um, but yeah, we're at the end of the hour. Oh. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. This yeah, was so hook, fun. So hook some more. I'll hook some more. What is your favorite hookah of flavor? Um, I like anything uh, like guava or peach or anything light with a touch of mint. Yeah, I don't like anything too minty because then it like really just feels like it's way too much going in my body. Yeah. Too, too yeah, a little low. minty is good. A little mint is good. Yeah. So it's like anything fruity. Actually, that was the story I was going to tell earlier was that when I really got hooked on hookah, I was on vacation in Turkey and I had a bit of a cold, but my brother and I went out to smoke hookah and I was smoking grape and mint. Yeah. It was the first time I smoked grape and mint and the mint just sort of like opened up and it felt so amazing because I had this oh. like weird conge- like I was I slightly totally congested. I see that. It's like mint folly. After, yeah. After that, I was hooked on hookah. That was it for me. All right, thanks for coming on the podcast. You for can sure. you can follow me on Jansudistat C A N S U D I S D A T and follow the podcast on all the platforms um, where you get podcasts. Mm-hmm. Sabine, thanks for coming. Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Instagram. Uh, that's where I'm most active. So it's at Sabine Comedy, S-A-B-E-E-N Comedy. And um, I have my website, sabinesadiq.com, if you want to see shows or like what my schedule is like. Uh, and also, I run a show called Gut Feelings. It's on hiatus, but it should be back soon. Right. And you do the No Files podcast. The, the No Files podcast. Give it a follow and uh, check out our stuff. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you.